Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast, Series 1, Episode 7, Rods and Reels. Continuing on topics I discuss with my clients, in this podcast, I will talk about fly rods, reels, lines, and leaders. This will be a basic introduction of terminology used in fly casting. I'll have links to more in-depth articles and information on my website, robsnowwhite.com. Click on the podcast link. The five parts I will discuss in this podcast are first rods, reels, lines, leaders, and finally tippets. First, I will discuss what is a fly rod, what the fly rods are made of, why there is such a variety of fly rods, three basic rod actions, and finally fly rod anatomy. To start off, fly rods are a tool for throwing your line. The action of casting which bends the rod, produces potential energy in the rod, which is then transferred to the line, which carries a mostly weightless fly, which you deliver to the fish. Not all rods bend the same. Rods come in a variety of lengths, and they are based on a system of weights, generally zero to about 15. Fly rods are like golf clubs. You need different ones based on different conditions and situations. All fly rods will catch fish, However, the price is based on the hardware and brand name. Let's talk about varieties of length and weight. You're going to have different lengths and weights based on the type of water, be it fresh or salt water. Fishing quarters. Are you going to be in open water where you can have a back cast that's not going to get caught in trees? Or are you in overhanging branch situation? 
Are you on a small stream where a shorter rod will benefit you because it will not get caught in the branches above? So how much does your backcast space consist of? Do you have ample room to backcast? If you do, a longer rod will be beneficial. It'll give you a longer cast. Flexibility of rods. Some are tapered and are more stiff. Some have less taper to them and are more flexible. The size of the stream is important as well. Are you gonna be traveling, camping, biking, backpacking? If so, maybe a shorter rod will be what you're looking for. The species of fish, trout, bass, bluefish, striped bass. Are you going for tuna, tarpon, bonefish, permit? There are rods specifically designed for a type of water, be it for trout, saltwater, freshwater, and then you can narrow it down to the type of fish. What size fly are you throwing? You can't cast a really big fly on a small rod, yet you can cast a very big fly and a small fly on a larger rod or bigger weight. And fly rods are based on the style of fishing. Is it a single-handed rod, a two-handed rod, or a switch rod? Switch rods being a combination or hybrid of single-handed and two-handed rods. The materials used in a rod can consist of graphite, carbon, fiberglass, or bamboo. And this is not the bamboo that grows in your garden. My buddy Tim in high school once cut down a 15-foot bamboo pole, made it into a fly rod, and then rode his bike to the Potomac River about 15 miles and fished with it. It was big, it was cumbersome and clunky, but uh, he thought that's what a bamboo rod was made from. He was misinformed. The material is formed to a blank with a specific spine in which the rod will bend. The spine will be the dorsal part of the rod, and technology now is making fly rods lighter, faster, more diverse, and thus greater potential for having expensive rods if you're having them lighter, faster, and more high-end materials, yet they're also allowing for rods to be created in a more budget-friendly category. Now I'm going to talk about rod anatomy. I'm first going to talk about the blank, the butt, the reel seat, grip, hook keep, guides, the tip guide, and ferrules. The rod blank is the rod in its barest form. It's the basic skeleton of a fly rod. Stiff rods, the blank would be like a piece of raw spaghetti. These rods bend at the top third or tip portion of the rod. They have a distinct taper from the cork to the tip. Stiff rods tend to be faster, easier to cast in the wind, easier to cast larger flies, and allow nymphing and setting the hook easier because you can have more tension at the tip of the rod. Medium action rods are more like a piece of al dente spaghetti. They bend in the middle third of the rod. Medium actions have a less distinct taper, their action is not as fast, and they tend to be more popular and the more overall used fly rod from my experience. And last, we can use a fully flexible designation. Think of these as a piece of cooked spaghetti. A thinner blank, there really isn't a taper that is that distinguishable. The fly rod blank will bend the entire length from the cork to the tip. Fully flexible rods make you have to work more because there's less potential energy built in the rod. You have to have more of your energy into that fly line to get it to cast. They protect delicate tippets because they're softer. They cast slower, enabling a delicate fly presentation. You can feel more of the fish 
and some of them tend to mimic classic bamboo rods. Now I'm going to grab my fly rod, so if you hear some noise, it's me looking at the rod while I'm describing it. I have a four-piece rod, so you're going to hear me clanking pieces. All right, the butt. The butt is the bottommost portion of the fly rod. It's closest to you. A fighting butt would be used in salt water. It gives you extra leverage. You usually see those in rods six weight and up. It's a place to grab for two-handed casting. Some are detachable. They can be made out of rubber, cork, synthetics, metal, etc. And those will be on the rod part closest to you. Next up is the reel seat. It's the site of the reel attachment. It can be made of cork to make the rod lighter, wood, metals, and synthetics. If you want to see some really cool reel seats, go to my website, robsnowake.com, click on Tom's page, and you can see some of the synthetics he has created as fly rod reel seats. And there are different methods for attaching the reel, most notably two rings, which would go over the next part of the reel that we'll talk about later. Up locking, which means that the part is going to screw the reel seat onto the reel from the bottom of the rod up, so butt up. And you'll have down locking, which is going to be a reel seat attachment where the reel is connected from the cork towards the butt. The grip can be made of cork. It's an outer layer of an oak tree, the genus Quercus, sometimes from Italy. And you can also have foam, but foam is going to be more in the non-high-end fly rods. The higher quality of the cork, it's going to cost more. It's going to be smoother, have fewer pits and crevices in it. It's going to have a nicer texture to your palm. You can have a variety of grips from full wells, which you most notably have in saltwater and larger weight rods. It gives you more area for you to put your thumb. Half wells, reversed half wells, which is just the opposite direction of a half wells, cigar shape, slim grip for smaller hands, and for carnies, they have small hands and smell like cabbage. You can have longer grips for two-handed rods, and big game rods may have an extra fighting grip on the blank above the cork. If your cork gets dirty, you can always use denatured alcohol to clean it. There's the Wonder Cloth, and you can use a very, very, very smooth grain sandpaper. You can also use sandpaper to shape the cork to make it fit your grip. That can be done on a lathe. All right, putting the first section down. Next up are ferrules. Ferrules are sections where the rod pieces join. There's a male part and a female part. Use your imagination. Back when multi-piece rods were first designed, they used to be a stress point, and people didn't really care for multi-piece rods. But now ferrules have gotten lighter and stronger and you find a lot more varieties of multi-piece rods that people prefer. So to join your rod, you put the male part into the female part and push together. If it is a multi-piece rod, you want to put them in at a 90 degree angle and twist down. Some fancier rods will have little dots on the male and female end, which will show you how to align them. And you can use paraffin wax on the male section to keep them together and prevent them from sticking. Some people prefer to tape their ferrules together on longer rods as longer rods bend more and create more of a stress point in those ferrules. You want to keep your ferrules clean, make sure you keep sand and grit out of them, and um, that's what joins a fly rod together. Next up would be a hook keep. Hook keep would be between the first ferrule, if it's a multi-piece rod, 
and the cork. It's about three quarters of an inch above the cork. It's a little loop that sticks out and it's used for attaching your hook. This will prevent people from putting their hook into the cork grip, which could damage it. And I usually see those on zero to five weights. Six weights and up, don't really see them. Wraps. A fly rod wrap is thread used to hold down guides. They come in a variety of colors. They're coated to keep them in place. I don't know too much about wraps since I'm not a rod builder, so you're gonna have to forgive me. That's about all I could tell you. You can email Tom or hit him up on Facebook if you wanna know more about fly rod wraps. I don't build rods, I just fish them. Coating. You're gonna put a clear coating onto your fly rod over the wraps in the blank. This is gonna add durability and add protection. Be careful when you're casting large weighted flies, split shot, etc. If that hits your fly rod, it can cause a little stress fracture in that coating, which can lead down to your blank and cause your rod to break at some point in the future. And you can have text or writing, usually just above the cork. That'll indicate the rod length, the rod's line weight, the rod's physical weight in ounces. It may indicate when your rod was made, the brand or maker, and you can have it personalized with your name. Okay, so what goes on the rod? Well, guides. Guides are little loops that are evenly distributed down the rod to support the fly line. They're on the opposite side of the spine. The first one to two guides are your stripping guides. They are larger. Stripping guides should be made of a material to reduce friction and allow line to pass through without being slowed down. Again, high under rods, they're gonna have a less friction inducing material. They're gonna be slicker. They're gonna let your line zip through there without being slowed down. Your guides will ice up in the winter if you're fishing below 32 degrees. So be mindful of that. The first time you fish in cold weather, people get very surprised with their guides icing up. You can use several materials and methods to de-ice them, Vaseline, ice off paste, Pam cooking spray. I'm still trying to figure out a way to make a rod with an electric current that would keep those guides from icing up. Icing guides can get very sharp and slice your line. With lines now costing up to $100, you don't want that to happen. I'll talk more about lines later on. The topmost guide is going to be the one that ices up first, so be mindful of that when you're fishing. And you can also stick your rod in water, which will de-ice it very briefly, but it's going to ice up very quickly once it comes out into the cold air. Part two, let's talk about fly reels. I'm going to talk about what a reel is and its function, what a fly reel is made of, what goes inside the fly reel, and lastly, the shapes and varieties and if you hear some noise, it's because I'm playing with audible aids. I can't call them visual aids because you're not seeing what I'm doing. You're gonna have to hear it, so bear with me. All right, fly reels. Fly reels are used to store fly line. They're used to reel in fish. They have a left or right hand retrieve. You find left hand retrieve more often now. Right hand is gonna be what I refer to as old timers. Um, which I'll be at one point, um, so I shouldn't really use that term. But old timers, more old fashioned, people that would cast with their left hand, reel with their right hand, or cast with their right hand, put the rod in their left hand to fight the fish. Or saltwater rods if you're fighting big fish. Theory being that your right arm, if you're right handed, is more dominant, so you can reel in faster with that hand, which I don't really find um, to be truth. Um, so. I have all left hand 
reels, I keep one. Right hand retrieve in case I have a client who is old fashioned or right hand retrieve. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Price of fly reels, as everything else in this podcast, is going to be based on construction, fresh versus saltwater, materials used, brand name, weight, all the accoutrements, bells and whistles, it's going to change the price. So what's a fly reel made of? Well, fly reels can be made of metal or plastic. Die cast would be liquid poured into a mold. These reels are more delicate and they can be bent and mangled easier versus a machined reel, which is taking a chunk of metal and carving the reel out of it. And you can anodize reels, which is a coating which protects the reel from corrosion, rust, and exposure to elements like salt water, grit, grime, etc. The reel anatomy. Reels are made of two parts. You have the reel, which attaches to the fly rod. It has a foot. The foot is the part that attaches to the reel seat. That is what you're up locking or down locking part of the reel seat would do or the two rings would go over each end of the foot. You have a drag knob on the outside for you to adjust the drag. I'll talk about drag in a moment. The next part of the reel is the spool. Spool is made to hold the fly line. It has a handle or knob. On the opposite end of the circle, you're gonna have a balance or a counterbalance which offsets the weight of the handle or knob. So drag, drag controls the speed or tension of the revolving spool or the speed and tension of line going out. It's a brake system. You can have click and pull and you can most notably know the sound of that. That is reeling in, outgoing. These are gonna be mostly plastic components on the inside. You don't really need these for big fish as a reel is mostly just made to store your line. You can also have direct drag. And that's the sound of me dropping a reel. Direct drag is adjustable, whereas click and pull is not. You can tighten the drag on this to make it very tight. Drag can be made of several types of materials, which is gonna be two surfaces rubbing against each other with tension to slow down the spool. You have plastic, metal, cork, or other synthetics. Use that knob to increase or decrease tension. You don't want to leave it on tight tension when you're not using it. And some reels have an anti-reverse function which allows the spool to go outgoing when the fish runs but the knob to stay in place. When I worked in the Keys, the only reason we sold those were for people that worked with their hands such as surgeons who really needed their hands in case they busted a knuckle. Hopefully most people can get their hands out of the way if a big fish takes line and you don't bust your knuckle on that handle. Let's talk about fly reel shapes. You can have a standard old-fashioned reel. I'm holding here a bat and kill bar stock reel. Just a circle, nothing too fancy. Line attaches to the center and you can have a large arbor. 
Large arbors came about a little over 10 years ago. They increased the diameter and circumference of the spool. Think of an old-fashioned bike, the one with the huge wheel in the front and the little wheel in the back. This is going to be like that huge wheel in the front. It moves the backing and line to the outside of the spool, which allows line to be stripped off and reeled in faster with fewer revolutions. Think of one circumference of those bike wheels would go about five or six feet versus a normal bike wheel might go two and a half feet. It increases the empty space because you don't have a solid reel. There's more gaps and less metal or plastic and that reduces weight. Think of the sinuses in your skull. The purpose of sinuses is to reduce the weight of solid bone. Your skull would be a lot heavier if it was full of bone. Empty spaces allow less weight. That's it for reels. So we've got direct drive, we've got click and pull, large arbor, regular, knobs, spools, reel, the foot. That's about it for reels. Part three is gonna be lines and backing. First, I'm gonna talk about what backing is and its purpose. I'll talk about what a fly line is, what fly lines are made of, and different varieties of fly lines. So first, backing. One end of backing is tied directly to the center of the reel. The other end is tied directly to the fly line. There are several knots to use, arbor knot to the fly reel, you can use a nail knot, loop knot, bimini twist from backing to fly line. Backing fills in the space inside the reel to allow line to be closer to the outside, thus increasing the circumference of the wraps of the line so you can strip it out or reel it in faster. It's used in an insurance policy when big fish take off farther than the distance of the fly line. So if a fish gets in a current or goes out into the open water more than say 90 to 110 feet, You've got to have insurance policies, so maybe 110 to 300 yards of backing on your fly line. Diameter and braking strength is based on the target of the species. You can have 20 pound, 30 pound, 50 pound. And you can have it made of two types, Dacron or poly gel spun. Fly line is used to deliver fly to a targeted area. You are casting a weighted line, not the fly. Fly lines are based on a weight system to match the rod and reel, 0 to 15 plus. Some have stickers. You can put the stickers on the inside of your reel or on your rod so you can remember what weight you're throwing. And they're shaped or tapered from one end to another based on your needs and the fishing situation. Fly line material, well it has a nylon or Dacron core. It can be coated with a variety of materials including PVC, polyvinyl chloride, you can have varieties of materials mixed with the PVC to change its function, buoyancy, or density. And I'd refer you to Zach Matthews' Itinerant Angler podcast on cooking up some lines and the article about cooking up fly lines for more in-depth information about what goes into a fly line. There's a great variety in fly lines these days, and recent innovations have caused fly line evolution to branch out and diversify. There are several varieties and designs based on, do you need it to float, do you need it to sink? Do you want an intermediate line which is going to sink to a certain depth and stay there? A shooting head, is it species specific? Bonefish, bluefish, tarpon, striped bass, trout, carp? You name it, there's a fly line out there to fish for it. 
air temperatures and water temperatures. Some fly lines are going to be stiff if the water's too cold or limp if it's too warm. Is there wind involved? Some fly lines are designed to throw into heavy oncoming wind. Some fly lines are designed to throw a certain fly size. And they are also based on casting method, style, or technique. Single hand, roll cast. Are you trying to get over surf breaks at the beach? Do you need to shoot a whole lot of line out to get certain fish? There's a variety out there and something you might need to research. Otherwise, just get a basic weight forward floating line. And weight forward will be abbreviated as WF in fly lines. Next up are leaders. I'm going to talk about what leaders are made of, what their function is, leader anatomy or the parts of the leader, and the varieties. So leaders can be made of two materials, nylon monofilament, which is your standard mono, and fluorocarbon, which can be less visible to fish, it costs more, but it allows you to present the fly to the fish with the fish not really seeing the leader, if those fish are leader shy. The function of the leader is used to deliver that fly to the target. It's a clear material separating fly line from the fly. It prevents the fish from seeing the fly line. And there's two types based on the fish or fishing. Floating, which is on top of the water, and sinking. You can have intermediate, which stays at a constant depth, or a fast sinking, slow sinking, etc. leader. The way to connect your leader to your fly line can be of several ways, most notably a loop-to-loop -loop connection where your fly line has a loop on one end and your leader has a loop on the other and you put them together, or a nail knot. The sections of your leader will be the butt section, which is the part that attaches to the fly line. It's heavier. The middle section, if your line and leader are tapered, is going to be the middle and the end will be thinner. Tippet is your terminal section. So there are four types of leaders based on construction. I just mentioned tapered, where it goes from heavy to thin. You can have knotted, which is one that will be several pieces tied together with a knot indicating where the different strengths are separated. I don't like those because you can get algae and dirt and gunk will catch up on those. Straight mono, which is just taking like a spool of Berkeley Vanish and taking six or seven feet off using that. We use that mostly around here for bass and sunfish. I've caught my three largest trout on a straight piece of 14 pound Berkeley Vanish. So I'm not completely sold that leaders are that important for fishing, for spooky fish, big fish, etc. Leaders are gonna be based on a system of diameters and breaking strengths. Zero, the thickest or heaviest to say 11X the finest. The lighter and thinner it is, the easier it will break. You can't use thin tippets on big heavy hooks because it will break. And some diameter tippets are used for smaller hooks. So like a size 22 to a 24, you're not gonna be able to use a three or four X. You're gonna have to go down to six or seven X. And the distance of leaders varies from say 14 to 15 foot plus depending on your fishing situation and local laws. Some people prefer a shorter leader for sinking flies. I always prefer nine to about 10 foot leaders. And a longer one for spooky fish, long drifts, and high sticking. The next section I already mentioned are the tippets, the terminal feet of the leader. It's the thinnest material, the part that is directly in contact with the fish. Dr. Jones is chiming in. 
Yeah, I don't think he likes leaders too much. Yep, not at all. All right, so tippets can be based on the species of fish, the wind, the environment, hook size, the eye size of the hook. Excuse me. All right, Dr. Jones is quiet now. Uh, so environment, hook, eye size, size of the fly, the weight of the fly, and added weight. If you're adding split shot, your line's going to be heavier, and thin tippet is not going to be able to hold it, and it will break. I also prefer heavier tippets because you lose less flies in bat casts, trees, on docks, branches, substrate in the water. I was fishing with a guy who was going out of Patagonia for a month, and we were both fishing Mossy Creek in Virginia. He insisted on using 7X tippet, and I was using straight 8-pound mono. And he lost about half the flies he was going to take to Patagonia because in Mossy Creek, you can't enter the stream. So he kept snagging all the moss in the water and losing all his flies. Meanwhile, I had on a heavier leader and tippet, which was 8-pound. I could just yank it, and it would come right out. So he wasn't convinced to use the heavier tippet. I caught fish. He caught a couple, but... So in summary, I appreciate you downloading this brief talk on rods, reels, lines, leaders, and tippets. For more information about this or other podcasts, please visit robsnowy.com and click on the podcast link. If you want to support the Fly Fishing Consultant Podcast, please visit dragonflyfishing.com and buy a beer lanyard. If you want to buy a custom-built fly rod, you can email Tom through my website. You can also buy custom cigar cutters and ballpoint and fountain pens from him. He's creating a whole lot of stuff. Any questions or comments, you can hit me up on my website or email me, rob at robsnowwhite.com. There's one W in Snow White. And that's about all I have for this one. Not sure what I'll talk about next, but uh, I've been very busy guiding, doing casting lessons and fishing as of late, so... Let's hope there's not a long pause between this podcast and the next one. Thanks for downloading. Take care.